We're in the month of old, and last week I talked to you about getting ready, taking stock, and so forth as we move during 40 days up until Yom Kippur. What I want to talk to you about today is speech, specifically proper speech. I looked back in my notes, and it's been about five years since I've talked about this, so it's probably time. I'm going to quote a rabbi, Chaim Lozado. I do not write this work to teach people what they do not know, but rather to remind them of what they already know and is abundantly evident to them. But in accordance with the great degree to which these matters are accepted as self-evident, so is people's disregard for them very prevalent. And as a result, forgetfulness of them is rampant. And he's talking about a book on the laws of speech. And the comment he makes is, intelligent people, you all are, like to study difficult things. They like to find out stuff that is new, stuff you don't know, stuff is exciting and so forth. And you don't spend a lot of time studying things that are obvious. And a lot of the things about the laws of proper speech are obvious. And because they are obvious, you don't spend time studying them. And what winds up happening is you neglect them. Words define us. They also define everything else. Genesis 1 and John 1 both talks about everything being created by the Word of God. And in fact, in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That can be taken in two different ways. Way number one, which most people take it as, is Yeshua is the Word. Nothing wrong with that. That's a good understanding. But way number two is, in the beginning was the voice of God which created everything. The Greek word is logos, and it can mean either one. So everything that we are, everything that is around us, everything that exists is the result of words, speech, information. All of which is to say, words are really important. And of course, what that means is you should watch your tongue and make sure that the words that you use are, in fact, things that you really want to say. Because words can either build up or words can tear down. And one of the things that very often happens is, of course, we get to running our mouths, and our mouths are going a mile a minute, and our head isn't engaged, and stuff comes out of our mouth that we later regret. Happens to everybody. Happens to me, certainly. So what you want to do is get yourself schooled to pay attention to what you're saying so that things that come out of your mouth are, in fact, useful and not destructive. Somebody can walk into a room, and just by saying the wrong thing, you can set everybody on edge. You can say the wrong thing, and you can destroy a friendship. Very easy to do. That's how powerful words are. The Hebrew, Shemros Halashon, which is laws of speech or laws of the tongue. And the tongue is really interesting. This is rabbinic, but it's absolutely true. The tongue is really an interesting organ. It's partially concealed and it's partially visible. So you can stick your tongue out and people could see your tongue, but most of the time they can't. And so what the tongue does is it takes what's inside you and reveals it. 
So it's partially concealed, partially revealed. The things that come out of your mouth via your tongue reveal what's inside your heart. And so if you have an angry, vengeful person with angry, vengeful stuff that's coming out of their mouth, what that means is they're revealing an angry, vengeful heart. Similarly, if the tongue gives forth blessing, gives forth joy, gives forth good, you can infer that the heart of that person is good. So as you listen to people and you listen to their voice, what you are seeing is a window into their heart. Now, one of the things that you may have noticed in the news is we got a lot of angry, bitter, vengeful people out there who are running around screaming at everybody and yelling and cursing and so forth. And I'm going to suggest to you very strongly, that's a heart condition. What you're seeing is a window into their hearts. And these people are sad, angry, wounded. They're really very sad people. And their words convey that they are the virtuous ones. But the tone of the words doesn't match the idea of them being the virtuous one. What it matches is a very dark and black heart. So as you listen to people who revile and curse, recognize getting a window into what they actually are and stay away from such people. Or, if it's possible, and it isn't always possible, if you can speak words of blessing and encouragement to them and draw them out of this anger, that's a great blessing. But understand, lots of people don't want to listen to that. You know, there's Yeshua's don't cast your pearls before swine. So there's some discernment that has to happen there. But certainly your words can be words of healing, words of peace, words of joy. And there's a possibility that those words will change your heart. So don't write them off up front, but also be cautious. I'm going to talk a little bit about Lashon Hara, which is Hebrew, of course, for an evil tongue, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I don't have time in this format to go into a long treatise on the laws of proper speech. Lashon Hara, evil tongue. There are three people that are injured when Lashon Hara happens. First off, the one who speaks, because you're responsible for what you say. Second one is the one who is spoken about. His reputation is injured. And then the third one is the one who listens, because listening to negative speech coarsens the soul. It makes your heart coarse, hard, heavy. So everybody concerned in Lashon Hara or evil speech is harmed in some way. Now, there's four categories of it, and I will just go through them very briefly. Their books have examples after example that make it very real, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. So the first one is Lashon Hara. And you got three people. you got person A, who is the speaker. Person B is the person who is being spoken about. And then person C is the one who is listening. A, B, and C. Keep track of them because they're going to hear about them again. So person A says something to person C about person B. So for example, if I were to say about my lovely wife, and this is not true, I'm using her as an example, boy, she is really stingy. 
She's not. She's very generous. But if I were to say that, not in her presence, it doesn't matter whether it's in her presence or not. If she's here and I say that, that's a different category of evil speech than if I say it and she's not here. But they're both wrong. So if I were to say that to Mike, what I've done is I have colored Mike's impression okay. He now thinks of her differently than he did before. Now, Lashon Hurrah is speech that is true. In other words, were I to say this, and I've, and I've said very clearly it is not true of my wife, if I were to say of her she is very stingy, and it were true, that would be Lashon Hurrah. If I were to say it of her and it is false, that is what's called Motzei Shemra, which is slander. Two different things. So the question is whether it's true or not. Both wrong, okay? Doesn't matter whether it's true or not. Me to say that is wrong in either case. But Lashon Hara would be in the case where it's true, and Motzei Shemra would be in the case where it is not true. So you have slander and evil speech. But it's the same words in each case. So that's one and three of the four types. Type two is what's called a rechilis. So I have told Mike something about person B, K, and he's heard it. Now what Mike does is he comes to K, person B, and says, do you know what John just said about you? So now what has happened is he has turned her against me because he tells her that when your back was turned, this is what John said about you. That's also wrong because what he's doing now is spreading this throughout the community. So all of these are wrong. No matter where you are in the chain of A, B, or C, it's all wrong. And then finally is what's called Ona'as Devorim, which is hurtful words. And that's where I say to Kay, you're really stingy. She's not. But if I were to say that to her, that would be hurtful words. Words that tear down. So those are the four categories. And they are all wrong. There are people who, if it weren't for gossip, wouldn't have anything to say. And one of the defenses that you'll very often hear is, but it's true. And that is Lashon Hurrah, where they are telling something true but harmful to somebody else. All sorts of things about me that you could say, or somebody could say if they knew about them, that I would find embarrassing or hurtful. And the fact that they're true doesn't diminish the fact that they're embarrassing or hurtful. That's Lashon Hurrah. And the fact that it's true just means that it's not slander. Because if it's not true, then it's slander, and it's every bit as wrong. That's sort of Lashon Hurrah 101, and there are dozens and dozens and dozens of examples in the book. And I urge you, if you don't have a copy of the book, to get one. And I urge you to study it. Because going back to Chaim Lozado, what I've just said to you should be obvious to everybody. I haven't said anything that's difficult. And what the rabbi says is the fact that it is obvious sort of leads people to think, well, I know that stuff. 
I don't need to study it. And that's wrong. Because as I read it, I, and I've got one of those books, and it's, I looked at it tonight as I was going through preparing the sermon, and it's all dog-eared and all that kind of stuff, which is a good thing, which means that I've been inside of it and read it. Lots of people have a Bible, but it's clean and pristine and never been opened, okay? So just having a Bible that you never open is like having an idol. I'm worshiping this Bible, but I don't know what's in it. I just know that it's important. It's the same thing with this. And by the way, the books that we have are organized in one of these lesson-a-day formats where you go through and read one every day. I think they go for 180 days. That's how much stuff is to be learned about this. It's really important. And by the way, one of the things that I would encourage you to do during this 40-day preparation time is listen to what comes out of your mouth and evaluate what comes out of your mouth. Because as I said, the things that come out of your mouth reveal what are in your heart. And very often you've got things going on in your heart that you really don't think about. They're just part of you. So if you listen to what comes out of your mouth, what that does is gives you an insight into what's under the hood. It's a way of looking at what's under the hood. I'm going to move on from that because there's some other things I want to talk about with respect to speech. Language is power. One of the things that you'll notice if you've been paying attention to the news is as these mobs surround people, what they will try and do is get them to say something. You need to say this. Rand Paul got surrounded by one of these mobs. He was also surrounded by police, thank God. And they were screaming at him, you need to say the name of somebody, I don't know who it was, as in, if you say the name, that means that you are on our side. The point is, you have people that are trying to force you to say something because words are powerful. Remember, we started this off by saying everything that exists was created by words. So words change reality. I'm not talking about magic or anything like that. If something is in your head and never comes out of your mouth, the world doesn't have to deal with it. You have to deal with it, and you can certainly do that. But once it comes out of your mouth, the world has to deal with it. It has to deal with the fact that you maybe made them feel angry or uncomfortable, because words can change the mood. I'll give you an example. Ken. I want you to brace yourself because I'm going to yell at you. I do not mean this. I'm very serious. But if I were to say, Ken, you evil person, like that. I've had people when I've done this have said, oh, I felt it too. So when I say something like that, it changes the tone of the whole room. Even though I've been very careful to say, Ken is not an evil person, I do not mean it. Get ready, I'm going to yell at you as an example. And it still does this. Words are really important. And so what happens when people want to control you is they try and get you to speak the words that they want you to speak. That's what politically correct speech is. You have to say things the way we want you to say them 
Otherwise, we will do bad things to you. Yell at you, fire you, whatever. But what they're trying to do is get you to use your mouth in their service. So understand what's going on with all of this stuff that, gee, you can't say that. Or, gee, you have to say this. Understand what's really going on. What they're trying to do is co-opt your voice, which changes you, and it changes the world. So it's very important. And it was interesting that I believe in this case where they were surrounding the senator, he did not say what they wanted him to say. Now, the senator, thank God, was also surrounded by police. But they yelled at him for like 10 minutes. And even if you are surrounded by police and know that you're physically safe, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to resist that. That's what they're counting on. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. This is not just good advice. It's also commanded. So, Exodus 23. You shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Circulating a report and being a witness are both things that you say. Leviticus 19.16 Do not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And all of this starts with, do not be a tail-bearer. Remember, tail-bearer is perhaps true, and that's what Sean Hurrah. A false report is mostly Shemrah, which is slander. They're both forbidden in the Torah. And then Deuteronomy 27, 24, Cursed is the one who attacks his neighbor secretly. What that means is, going back to our A, B, and C, where I am telling Mike, person C, something negative about K, person B, what I am doing is I'm attacking her secretly. She's not there. So what I'm doing is I'm downgrading her image in Mike's eyes while she's not there. And by the way, even if she is there, it's still forbidden. Okay? <laughs> so whether she's there or not is irrelevant. But if she's not there, what I'm violating is Deuteronomy 27, where I'm attacking her secret. And then Proverbs 21:23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. My dad had a way of saying that. A closed mouth gathers no fist. So I want to close with two things. I want to talk about courageous speech, which is what we are called to do. There's a superstitious fear. Have you met people that are afraid of saying good things for fear that stuff will suddenly turn bad? Knock on wood, any of those kinds of things. That's superstition. And it comes from the Greek nemesis. And nemesis was a Greek goddess that they believed punished people who boasted of their success. What would happen is if you talked about good things, 
there was this nemesis out there that would come and turn everything bad because you're not supposed to do that. That's superstition. Don't worry about that. I have had people tell my wife that they look at me kind of strange when I say, I'm greatly blessed and beloved of God. Ooh, you shouldn't say stuff like that. Well, why not? It's true. But what it does is two things. One is the superstitious will say, whoa, you shouldn't talk that way because something bad might happen to you. And the other ones are envious. My life isn't going well. Who are you, cheerful Charlie, to talk like that around me? So to say that is what I would call courageous speech. Because you never know what the heart of the person listening is. They may look at you and say, oh, what makes you so special? Or they may look at you and say, I really am mad at you now because I couldn't say something like that. So that's what I'm talking about, courageous speech. I'm talking about speech that builds up, speech that uplifts, speech that changes the tenor of people around you in the room. And understand when you do that, that's dangerous. And we'll go back to our example of the mobs that are floating around right now. If you were to walk into such a mob and say, I am greatly blessed and beloved of God, and I live in one of the greatest countries in the world, you would be beset like ducks on a June bug. That's dangerous. But it's also courageous. Because what you're doing is you are sowing into the world words of blessing, words of peace, words to uplift. And what you're doing is you're countering the negative words that the people are speaking around you. And that's important. So as you go through this 40-day period, I'm encouraging you to pay attention to your speech. Pay attention to what you say because that's a window into the heart. And you may find some things about yourself that need to be corrected. And this is a good time of the year to correct them. That's why God gave us repentance. God set up the world with Teshuvah in mind because he knows we're going to need to repent. Everybody does. That's one of the ways you can tell what's going on. And I'll close with a scripture. Psalm 34, 12. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. So you want to see good. I do. I'm sure all of you do. And one of the keys to that is... Watch your tongue.